The Real Money Show, a full hour of expert advice on gold and silver bullion and fancy colored diamonds. In studio today, the president, Paul Wiseman, and vice president, Jeremy Wiseman. Guys, uh, Thursday passed the Secrets of Wealth Preservation Seminar. First thing we want to uh, want to tackle here, Paul, how did it go? It was a very, very good seminar. Uh, actually, Nicole Sniman did the seminar on investing in natural fancy colored diamonds, and Darren did precious metals. Uh, they're not on the show today because they worked very late last night. For sure. And uh, we had a really nice turnout. It was nice to meet the people, uh, meet and greet the people that listened to uh, the Real Money Show, as well as the people that replied, you know, for the ads that we were running on several radio stations. Um, it was it was a, a really nice thing to meet clients because they had a lot of interest in what we had to say. Um, as I said, Nicole did the first part of the seminar on natural fancy colored diamonds, and it was most informative. Uh, in the fact that where, where natural fancy colored diamonds started to get the interest and the peak in the interest, it really started from the auction houses uh, in basically in the, what was it, mid-50s, Jeremy, late-50s? No, the auction houses in the mid-80s, actually. But it really? was those diamonds that were coming out of the vaults that had been purchased in the early 20th century. All of a sudden... You know, he, she was talking about most specifically the Hancock Red that was originally purchased in the mid fifties for thirteen thousand five hundred, sold at auction in the late eighties for eight hundred and eighty thousand. Come on! And the reserve so. and the reserve on the diamond was one hundred and fifty thousand, and they got eight hundred and eighty thousand for this diamond. Today, uh, that diamond is two million dollars plus. Wow. Uh, so you know, but we Nicole was talking about you know other diamonds, pinks and yellows and blues and what they're fetching at auction. And because these prices are now realized at auction, 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, it's, it's piqued a lot of people's interest. For the longest time, it was a very well-kept secret of the wealthy emperors, kings, uh, royalty, uh, were actually had these diamonds. And very, very wealthy people, you know, that got it at the turn of the century. And now all of a sudden, these magnificent stones are coming out of nowhere into these auctions and fetching incredible, incredible prices. The other side of the presentation was uh, Darren actually talking about gold and silver uh, against currencies and what's happening in the marketplace. And it was really surprising. I mean, you know, we always ask a question, how many people own mutual funds? And, you know, there's always a smattering of hands. How many people know what funds or what uh, companies are in that mutual fund that you own. Very few people even know. I've got no idea. Um, you know, how many people own gold and silver? You know, basically 3% of the whole world owns gold and silver. So that's, you know, one in 33 people. If you knocked at, a, you know, 100 doors, you'd probably find three people oh. that own gold and silver. Not in every area, of course. Um, <laughs> but... It's it's something that, you know, people don't know about. But it was great to have people come out. Um, we opened a lot of accounts last night. We had a lot of people that uh, set up appointments to purchase diamonds. It was exciting. Um, people, that We made people aware of this type of investment. I mean, they had a, not a clue of, you know, what what's going on. Most people own, you know, stocks. A lot of people own real estate. Um, you know, people just keep cash in the bank. If you're getting 1% return on your money today, you're falling behind probably 3 4% with inflation. Yeah, I think one of the biggest overriding themes was people are really looking for alternatives. One of the most striking things, you know, we like to take a, a little survey 
Um, and uh, Darren asked how many people are, have made back all their money from 2008. Uh, we didn't see a hand up. Maybe someone didn't want to brag, but uh, certainly no hands went up. And also he showed uh, through infographic just exactly what a trillion dollars is, which to my mind, it it, it blew my mind. You're talking a 747 jumbo jet. Add that the White House, both both east and west wings, um, and then just the whole massive lawn with six foot um, skids of, of money, and you know it, it just it goes on and on. And you look at that, and you start to add up fifteen trillion, sixteen trillion, seventeen trillion, realizing that the U.S. is adding a trillion a year, and you just can't help but say, you know what, they are broke. And at, at the end of the day, look. Precious metals is about protecting wealth, protecting against declining currencies. And you have to understand that currencies, the history of currencies starts out with gold backing. That, that's, that's historic. You can look it up. And then you go to fractional gold reserves. So you say, okay, and you're going to back it up partially by gold. Then you go into fractional reserve, which is now you've just got, now you've got, well, sorry, you've got the gold and, and, and half cash, right? Then you move into strictly fiat. Now it's just what the government says it's worth. And then once that happens, everyone wants more of it. So if you start bringing out monopoly money to the table from your pocket, all of a sudden everyone wants to bring theirs to the table or they want more for themselves. And the whole thing starts to to go down a rabbit hole. And I think you're starting to see that happen all around the world. And there, you're between a rock and a hard place in terms of alternatives. Once you open that can, it's... Clearly, they're kicking it down the road now, so it's very difficult to to have the um, basically just being able to reel that back in. It's very difficult. The the amazing thing is, is the U.S. are actually a seventeen trillion in debt, and we talk of the U.S. Um, even though we're in Canada, because you know, if they sneeze in the U.S., we catch a cold in Canada. I mean, we're you know one of the largest exporters to the U.S. Obviously. Um, they are $17 trillion in debt. There's a probably $180 trillion off the books. That's in Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. Who's going to pay for that? Let's kick the can down the road and worry about down the road who's going to pay for it. That's the attitude. That's an awful attitude to have. You know, it, it, it's crazy. So when we talk about right now, you're talking about the Fed putting in $85 billion buying bonds and treasuries. Um, the big thing this week was every guru on CNBC, BNN, they were all talking about how much the, you know, the Fed was going to reduce the tapering from $85 billion a month maybe to $75 billion a month. You know, these are supposed to be smart people. The truth is the data that's coming out of the states is not very good. Mortgages, uh, it's the, it was this, this month was the lowest... Uh, amount of mortgages being applications. Unemployment claims. Last week they came up with some BS figure. Two computers were down. Uh, this week the jobless claims are up 15,000 to 309,000 and they're still processing backlog. So, I mean, the figures are not true. I mean, the, the, the you know, all these people that are on CNBC and BNN, you know, they all work for major brokerage houses. They're all in investments in stocks, in equities. You very rarely see somebody come on that invests in gold and silver and natural fancy colored diamonds. Nobody 
wants to know about that. People want to trade in paper. The commissions are made in paper. You can multiply paper as many times as you want. We had a huge problem in 2008, 2009 with the subprime. It was paper. I mean, just paper, paper, paper. At Guildhall, we sell physical gold, physical silver, platinum, physical platinum and palladium. We don't sell equities. We're not in that business. We don't sell ETFs. We don't sell certificates. Certificates is a promissory note. We don't sell futures and we don't sell options and futures. We sell silver and gold. You take a 100-ounce bar of silver and drop it on the ground, it makes a clang. You know, do the same with a piece of paper. It doesn't do anything. There's no sound because that's what it is. It's paper. And you can take a piece of paper and multiply it 100 times. You can't do that with a 100-ounce bar of silver. At Guildhall, we offer you this. You can buy gold and silver. You can take it home for immediate delivery. You can buy gold and silver for immediate delivery, and we can store it for you in our depository, which is safe, secure, insured. You can start an account for a couple of, you know, 200-ounce bars, around about $5,000. You can buy gold, you can buy silver, and it's safe and secure, and it's for ease of a trade. You want to make a phone call and sell or buy, you can do that once you have an account and it's in the depository. The third option we have is collateralized financing. Not for everybody, but you can buy with putting up 30% instead of putting up 100%. 1,000 ounces of silver today is around about $24,000, give or take with commissions. Instead of putting up 24000 you're putting up 8000 and keeping back 16000 It's good to use somebody else's money. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. There is some risk involved. You're putting up 30%. If your equity was to fall below down to 15%, you'd get what is called a collateral call and you'd have to put some funds in to bring your account up. Smart thing to do if you've kept that $16,000 back is to buy more product if it dropped in price at a lower price. It's called cost averaging. You can pay off the debt anytime you want because you've kept back that $24,000 if you don't like finance. If you can't meet those commitments, then we can sell a little bit of that product off for you to bring your your amount up, your equity back up. And if it's not for you, you can cash out and we can always send you back your funds. But those are the three options you've got, buying the product outright, taking it home. And there is a downside to taking product home, Jeremy. Well, of course, you have to deal with your own storage and eventually you're going to have to deal with bringing it back to market and there's a lot of logistics involved in that. So, And, of course, insurance doesn't cover more than $1,500 worth of bullion or cash. Wow. So you really are on your own when, you, when you're doing that. You want to get to any of those options, they all sound great. It starts with the first option, that is calling one eight seven seven two one four or 1711 or guildhallwealth.com. While you're there, you've caught some uh, some news here so far. We're just getting into this. We'll get to a market update by Jeremy, but the Precious Metals Advisor, free subscription to Guildhall's premier market newsletter. Give us a bit of an update, uh, Jeremy. Sure. Well, last week in gold, uh, by the way, this segment is brought to you by Darren Long. We were working on, uh, he wanted to help me with the update before we, nice. we uh, came to the show today. So... Um, Gold last week uh, was trading around thirteen fifteen. Uh, this week we did trade around uh, thirteen forty. We're just uh, six dollars off of that right now as well, we, we had tape a the high show. Thirteen sixty five. It came off a little. Uh, silver last week was trading around uh, twenty two dollars. Again, right now we're trading about the same. But it is important to keep in mind that since mid June, silver is up uh, about twenty two twenty three percent since the low we recently saw. And of course, gold is twenty five uh, percent off having another positive year, which would be um, a decade-long plus uh, 
a track record for gold. So, Jeremy, the uh, feds apparently, I guess you could say, chickened out on tapering this week. Uh, give us more details on that. Well, as soon as they, they said that they weren't going to taper, uh, silver moved up well over a dollar within 24 hours. So it does, that was a pretty significant market response. Of course, uh, over the last, since that time, the market has been uh, uh, central bank intervention, uh, in my belief, has uh, helped push the the, the price of the metals back down a little bit to uh, take off the, the edge of that, that news. But essentially what you're looking at when you see, see moves like that is what we've seen in the gold and silver market is that when you buy gold and silver, you're voting against the U.S. dollar. Now, clearly when you're $17, $17 trillion in debt, you have to protect the dollar in some, some way. And China's, China's selling treasuries and uh, India's selling treasuries and, and no one's buying them and everyone's buying gold. So the only way to, to protect it in some ways is to try to get the price of gold down a little bit so that it looks like the U.S. dollar is strong. So that uh, definitely seeing a big move up like that was important. Taper talk, it was just jawboning. We know that they can't stop. We know that if they stop tapering, that the market will tank. And, and, and when, it, when they said that they wouldn't taper, the market celebrated as if it was getting another dose of its heroin. So clearly the stock market is loving the fact that they're not tapering and they cannot taper until they've figured out all these problems, which there is no end in sight. So we'll, we'll take... Oh. Yeah, it's just like the ostrich th- theory. You bury your head in the sand. There's only one thing sticking up. And if it's sticking up in the air, there's not a few good things that could happen. Uh, One of them is not good. But the thing is, they're hiding from the situation. You cannot keep on printing money. There's not enough revenue. They're not creating jobs. Larry Summers, that was in uh, the Clinton administration, um, you know, they wanted to bring him in as the, the new chairman of the Fed. He's quite hawkish. You know, he decided not to come in, therefore... Uh, you know, because he would have started pulling in this money um, and it would have affected the stock market. So, you know, Bernanke came out and said, well, we're, we're not going to, you know, taper right now. And all of a sudden, all these gurus, I mean, everybody for weeks and weeks on the TV have been saying, you know, it's going to be 10 million. They're going to cut down 15 million. It just shows you nobody knows anything. It's guesswork. You know, everything is a guesstimate. We'll take our first break. When we come back, I want to touch on Syria, uh, Jeremy, as well. Exactly how to buy Boyan, how to open an account from Guildhall. And the question of the week, all this is ahead. You want to call in right now and start an account, one 214 1711 or You're listening to The Real Money Show. Real Money Show, the number, one 1711 and com. Jeremy, I notice every time we see a dip in the market, we see physical buying. How does that work? Yeah, every, you know, look, the fact of the matter is, is there's very limited physical market out there. And getting back to the central banks, what's happened is, is there used to be a time where they could sell, they could get gold leased to them and sell it off into the market, which would help get the price down. Eventually, they ran out of that gold. So now they went. Now they have to contend with getting it from paper IOUs. So if you are holding a, a, a certificate, for example, or if you're in an, an unallocated account, they can take that out because it's again they'll IOU that, or they'll basically just default and give you cash. So both both of those uh, strategies help try to keep the price down for for a little bit. But the problem that they're having is every time they do that. There's more buying. India, China, Russia, they all want to pick it up. So they see the cheaper price and they say, thank you very much. So 
now we have uh, the physical market remains very tight. We remain having to wait weeks to receive to receive bullion to supply. So um, you've got to keep that in mind that this is an unsustainable strategy that central banks are using to, to try to keep the price of gold low, which is the canary in the coal mine, while the U.S. dollar, let's let's face it at this point, 17, I can't reiterate it enough, 17 plus trillion in debt, debt ceiling coming up soon. They're just going to raise it. There's nowhere else for this to go but to but to devalue that currency, which means ultimately we've got to keep the macro picture here. Before you go jumping off a, a roof, you've got to say, look, the macro here is that gold and silver are finite assets, the value of which has to move up when you're printing a lot of money. And the, the strangest thing is is you get something, somewhere companies like J.P. Morgan just got fined $920 million dollars for something they did in London, which they called the well, which means they were trading with other people's money. They're actually trading. It's a public traded company. They're trading with the public's money. So they get fined $920 million. That's an awful lot of scratch. That's almost a billion dollars. So far, J.C. Morgan has put aside $6.8 billion, which is going to cost that in legal fees for other things that are coming up, including uh, alleged manipulation in gold and silver um, and the same thing alleged uh, you know, with other things that they do in the oil m- market or gas market, aluminum market. Um, you know, they've got lots of heat coming on them. At Guildhall, we stress that you should be dealing in physical gold and silver, not paper. The real thing... As I said, you take a 100-ounce bar, you drop it on the ground, it clangs. That's what you need to, to own. You can buy it outright from us for immediate delivery. You can have immediate delivery and put it into a secure depository where you have easy liquidity, where you can spy and sell on a phone call. You can even open up a collateralized finance account, which is basically a, a reverse. It's like owning a, a home. Nobody can just go out and pay five, six hundred thousand dollars for a home. They normally put down twenty-five, thirty percent, and they finance the rest. That's what happens with gold and silver. So you have to look at the usages of of a product. Look, let's look at silver, for example. It's virtually used in every technology there is out there. Every cell phone, every iPad. Uh, every microwave has some form of silver in it. It's minute. It's not recyclable. I mean, you know, mm. when silver gets to $150 an ounce, some third world country will be, you know, picking up all these flat screen TVs and picking it out with, you know, pins to, to recycle it. But at $22 and $25, you know, in computers, you know, no one's going to, you know, pick that out right now. We're calling from Guildhall, and I'm going to keep to what I've, in my opinion, where I think silver's going to be. I think in 12 months, maybe a little less, you're going to see $60 silver. I think you're going to see $2,200 gold. Uh, Goldman Sachs this week, completely negative, said, you know, gold is going to drop down to $1,000. As they said it the next day, when they said there's no more tape, they're not going to taper to 2015 probably, you know, gold shot up $65 in one day to 1365 As we're taping this show right now, we're trading around about 1340 for gold. Silver's around about $22. I think this is an unbelievable price for both of these products to get in to own a hard asset. 
every week I give an example. If you take $10,000 10 years ago, put it in a coffee can, bury it in the back garden, you've still got your 10000 in cash. If you would have bought 10 years ago 2,500 ounces of silver, silver was $4 an ounce. That would have cost you the same $10,000, but that silver even today at $22 would be worth $55,000. That's 450% more than your $10,000 in cash. So is it a smart buy? Absolutely. Over the last 10 years, you'd have a return of around about 43% a year. If you're doing better than that in in the stock market or in real estate, don't listen to me. Go do what you're doing best. one 1711 or guildhallwealth.com. Jeremy, I'm going to throw the email question of the week. If you have one, it's investing at guildhallwealth.com. Uh, question this week, Jeremy from Philip in Alberta says, uh, why is the price I pay for gold and silver higher than the price I see on TV? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the, the price that you're seeing on TV is based in the futures market. It's based on sort of the paper traded uh, on price of, of silver. Of course, if you want to take delivery of that silver or purchase it for delivery to a depository, you have to you have to understand that now you're buying the product. So if you think of just even a car, there's the pay, there's the, the sticker price and then there's the freight and the delivery and the taxes and this and that. So there's always those added costs, right? Same thing in bullion. You're going to pick the type of bullion you buy. The larger the bar, the less the, the cost to, right. to, of spread. The smaller, the higher the cost. Now, what happens it's is... It's a fabricating is, charge. Yeah, it's a fabricating right. charge. So basically what happens is, is, is our wholesaler charges us a certain price over that spot price. We add our small premium on top, and then the end user gets that, gets that bullion. So um, I wish that we could buy it at spot price ourselves and pass <laughs> that savings along, but unfortunately we can't. And the funny thing is, is that, you know, the, the wholesalers that we use, you know, they're in the same depositories as us. You know, it goes from one side of the depository to the other side of the depository, but the wholesalers own that product, and there's a fee from the paperwork for buying, mm-hmm. moving that product, from, as I said, from one side to another side of, you know, to our shelf or our cage where our product is being held in that same depository. So it's an interesting thing, and it's the same thing when I talk about you know, we sell maple leaves, um, whether it's a silver maple leaf or a gold maple leaf. You're going to pay a premium on a maple leaf. You know, a gold maple leaf is as much as $50 more than a one-ounce bar of silver, whether it's Johnson, Matthew, Falcambi, any other brand. But when you've got the queen's head on one side and a maple leaf on the other side, you're paying for that imprinting a premium of about $50. Is it a, does it make any difference when you try to sell it they're going to give you the value of an ounce of gold, not the maple leaf price. And that's a fact. one 877 or guildhallwealth.com to start investing. Something we were talking about just before the show, Jeremy, from ETF Trends. An article, and the title is Bear May Growl Again for Gold and Silver. Obviously negative. Uh, I want to read a quote from this and get your, uh, your opinion on it. It says, the outlook for silver, gold's cheaper, more volatile cousin, is similarly downbeat. Already the second worst performer this year among the 24 commodities in the S&P GSCI Commodities Index. Silver could be further crimped by faltering industrial demand. Faltering industrial <laughs> yeah, demand. I know. Who wrote that, by the way? Does it say? Uh, does it say? Uh, well, it's a Tom Leiden article. I don't know if you wrote uh, it down. Ultimately, it does, you know, look, this is, a, this is a classic type of article we see on an on a almost daily basis in uh, all over the place. Just a typical negative uh, silver article, gold article. Um, and you have to learn how to be able to read through, through what it is. So, I mean, this, this person is talking about crimped industrial demand. Well, 
you know, uh, I would I would uh, argue that number one, there's the more most patents pending of all precious metals and base metals with silver. So we talked about um, even new technology for flash drives last week, which had silver in it. Paul mentioned microwaves and and flat screen TVs, iPads, um, electronics. Period, uh, every right? electronic yeah. turn on a light switch, there's silver. So um, industrial demand is clearly on the rise. 900 million ounces out of the ground per year for industry, um, or rather, and, and 800 is being used for industry. Of the so, 900. Yeah, we're wow. pretty maxed, and, and a lot of, and clearly there's a lot of demand for investment. So, you know, I don't see industrial demand going down when new technologies are, are growing exponentially. There's a, a second part of this article uh, quote as well. It says it's widely expected that the Fed will reduce its $85 billion in monthly bond purchases to $75 billion right following again, huh? the meeting next week, right? And it continues and says any surprise on that front uh, that is seen as good news for the U.S. dollar will likely turn out to be bad news for dollar-dominated commodities such as your favorites, gold and silver. Right. So it's it's just fear mongering at its best in terms of in terms of using that tapering argument to try to really beat down uh, the sentiment in the market uh, long term, whether they tapered or not. It doesn't really matter because we we're looking at the fundamentals and what that can do uh, going forward. One of the other things that they mentioned in that article, by the way, is that they mentioned that um, that demand for the metal will come off because of economic that, that that economic growth won't be strong, which is interesting because they're always touting that the economy is recovering. So all of a sudden, <laughs> it's uh, convenient for them to admit that the economy isn't getting strong and that industrial demand is going down. Uh, so it's you know the, it's just these these whimsical arguments that they pull out that you have to understand the fundamentals. You have to do your research on precious metals to see how how the why these markets are going to be moving up and be able to see through these... these uh, well, it's, it's exactly. Assad was in from Syria, was in an interview uh, yesterday or the day before, and he speaks perfect English, by the way. Um, I know, before, he, looked, yeah. um, he was a doctor. But um, he was saying that it's the rebels that, you know, they can make this gas in the kitchen. It was like a ton of gas that was, you know, thrown at the rebels. Um, and in the next thing he said, well, they did it, it was them. And then the next thing that he reversed was, well, you have to be a specialist. You have to have special people to be able to, you know, it's like... Is it breaking bad or is it, yeah. Yeah, it's talking out of both sides of his mouth. So it's the same thing with, you know, these people that write these articles. You know, normally it's a 21-year-old or a 22-year-old out of college, works for a company and they give them a piece to write and because they don't want to put their own name on it. And it gets out. It's like stuff on the internet. You know, I can give you 500 great articles, you know, on gold and silver. I mean, anybody's listening to the show, you know, the best place to go for information is kingworldnews.com. Um, you know, there's people like John Embry. There's people like Sprout. They write pieces every day. They have been in this business for 30, 40 years, and they understand the gold bullion business. I don't listen to somebody who's 22 years old, just out of university, that doesn't know, I won't say, but it doesn't know too much about the business. I have skin in the game. Everybody that works for Guildhall has skin in the game. We own gold. We own silver. We own natural fancy colored diamonds. We are not in the stock market. We don't own equities. We don't own stocks in, in mining companies. It's completely different. They don't correlate with physical gold and silver. The cost today to bring gold and silver out of the ground is incredible. 
Silver in most in actually silver in most cases is a byproduct of gold, copper, and zinc mining. So it's even more expensive to bring it out of the ground. You know, a few years back there was about nine billion ounces of excess silver in the market. Today it's less. It's probably around about a billion ounces that is above ground. There is lots of silver beneath. But it takes a lot of money to bring it up today. Silver trading at twenty-two dollars a month. In the end of June, we were at eighteen dollars and twenty cents. We told our clients, "Load up the boat. You're, this is a great, great price." If you want to get in touch with us, give out some numbers there, John, and uh, open an account. Be and you smart. Can, you can start that by calling one eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven and guildhallwealth.com. Take a very, very short break. Uh, when we come back, talk about natural fancy color diamonds and investing in a Guildhall color diamond. And we'll get to, to more about purchasing and investing in bullion as well. This is The Real Money Show. You're listening to The Real Money Show. The number to start investing, one 214 and online at guildhallwealth.com. Love this part of the show. It's all about the diamonds. This is the uh, the pretty part of the hour. Jeremy, uh, diamond discussion right now. want to hear about the diamond of the week. What do we got? Who's doing it? Well, I'm going to do it for the simple reason. Let me tell you why. Yeah, Last night we had a seminar. Um, Nicole Snipman actually led the seminar on uh, natural fancy colored diamonds. We brought out actually uh, about a dozen diamonds to the show. We had a security guard and we wow. had the diamonds on a, on a table after the, the you know the the uh, presentation actually was like people rushing at us For to sure. see these diamonds. Mm-hmm. And actually, let me tell the story here. This is good. I'm sorry to interrupt you. So we set up a table and we put out. We put up. We, what we wanted is we want to make sure that people take their time to view them, right? right? So we put the the table set up with with a couple chairs so that we could do it individually. Well, one person sits down, and then a total stranger sits down right next to them, and then another guy goes right in between them and starts leaning over. And then before you know it, the whole, everyone's leaning over the table. And we had this one woman who actually ended up winning the 10-ounce bar, by the way, was grabbing the business cards off the table and just started handing them out to everyone that was looking at these diamonds. It was it was pandemonium, and the security guard was freaking out. He had, his hand, he had, his, he had, he had the hand on the Glock. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you know, it was about a half a million dollars worth of diamonds at actually at cost. So you're looking at a million, two maybe worth of appraised wow. diamonds. So, um, But anyway, the, one of the diamonds that we, we brought out, and I was trying to explain to people, we carry three types of diamonds, fancy, intense, and vivid. Those are the three color ranges. There's light, fancy light we don't touch, and then you can get into some other kind of grades, but it's fancy, intense, and vivid. When I buy a stone, uh, the stone I'm going to talk about, this diamond, is a 1.18 carat. It's an oval cut, intense, internally flawless. That means there's no inclusions in the stone. Um, the stone itself, uh, the cut grade is is good. The symmetry is very good, which means if you folded that diamond in half, it would be perfect. Very cool. Um, there's a very faint fluorescent blue, which is okay. The polish is excellent. Now, this stone, in actual fact, is appraised at $42,000. We have it on for $22,000. Now, this intense diamond, in my opinion, though it comes with a GIA grading report, and also an independent appraisal from Harold Weinstein, which appraised it at $42,000. At GIA, if there was a grading between 1 to 10, they don't really work that way because they, they have diamonds and they match the diamond to a color. 
So if this diamond was a 10 in an intense, if we had a 1 to 10 and we graded it at 10, it could be a 10 and a half, which would bring it into vivid. Now, GIA doesn't want to get into disputes to say, well, this is a vivid and somebody else calls it an intense. So they would rather call it an intense and be safe than call it a vivid on a, a scale of a maybe a one or a two. So in my opinion, and again, it's my opinion, I go on the color, um, the, the cake, the cut, and the make of this diamond. I mean, the scintillation, the fire that comes off of this diamond is incredible. I think this diamond is a vivid. At $22,000, I think it's an absolute steal. If this was priced as a vivid, it would be $40,000, double the price. I mean, this diamond you could have bought, you know, less than three years ago as an intense for around about fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000. It's $22,000, as I said, as an intense. If it was a vivid, it would be over $40,000 for this stone. It's an incredible stone. It comes with a set as a GIA. It's an independent appraisal. tells you this stone is worth $42,000. That's what it's appraised at, and... I think you had a question that you wanted to ask me on that. that. Is, and this, this is the question that, that I, ask, I want to ask every week. Why is there such a big difference between the appraisal price and the price you charge? Meaning, why are you not charging more for your diamonds, really? I mean, there's such a huge discrepancy between the appraisal and the sale price. Yeah, well, there's, there's a, f- a few reasons. Number one, you have to understand that it's very difficult to go out and procure these diamonds. So for, I'll, I'll give you a, an example. We had a two-carat intense princess cut, so that's a perfectly square diamond. Now, the appraisal is whatever it was. I think it was in the 90,000 range. And the diamond, I think, sold for about 50. The thing is, is that if that diamond got lost or stolen, you have to ask yourself how easy it would be to find, to replace that diamond. I've never seen one before. And we've been in this business a long time. So it would be very, very difficult to to basically get a new diamond similar to that, and that's why it's going to cost you a lot more. If we go to, to dealers, we go to our partners to try to find a diamond, guess what? Prices go up, right? You want to be on the buyer side where they come to you. So that's a big part of it. The other part of it is we also have buying power. When, when you are buying uh, high-quality diamonds, you're getting better pricing, and we want to pass that along to our clients because... Um, Ultimately, we're going to, as a secondary market, we want to help clients sell those eventually. Well, we don't want to tap dance three years from now. We want to show that profit. So the better pricing we can give our clients, the better. And ultimately, of course, we're not charging retail prices. We don't have a, a large store with, with marble and glass to, to mm. take care of. We simply buy the diamonds, store them, and, and help uh, clients make, make money in the, this yeah, market. A, a Guildhall, when you're buying a Guildhall diamond, you're buying our expertise, the knowledge, our buying power, the reputation we've built up with our cutters and polishers and the people that we do business and the people we partner with. And I say partner because they are just as much involved with our business because they we belong to the NCDIA, which is the National Colored Diamond Association of America. There's very few members in that association. They kick people out. They're not looking for new members because they only want people that promote the product, sell the best of the product, and don't have any problems with clientele of not accepting goods back. You know, a lot. there's a lot of companies selling diamonds. We did a in the seminar last night, we show a couple of diamonds. You know, they look the same. You know, one diamond you can pay $9,000 for, because it's an inferior diamond. Another diamond that looks exactly the same, you can pay 
$40,000 for, and it's got a lot of inclusions, and the diamond's worth four or $5,000. You know, you have to deal with somebody that has a great reputation. You need to see the GIA. You always have to have a full GIA. That's the certification of that diamond. It tells you everything about it from the size, the, the color, the shape, the you know, the grade of the diamond, and it also gives you a plot of the diamond. It shows you the size of the table, the depth of the diamond, the size of the girdle. All these things are important to to bring out the fire and the color in these diamonds. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much about what we talked about at the seminar because we'll have another seminar and and people can come and, sure. and learn more about it. But uh, one of the things that we pointed out was that there's very limited information on colored diamonds in terms of, you know, if you went to went to chapters and wanted to find out about um, taxes or find out about flipping homes or find out about even gold and silver, there's there's a plethora of books. If you want, you know, you want to find out about yoga, you can find a book on it, but you will not find a book on colored diamonds. And, and there's actually really only three books. One of the books, the person who wrote it is no longer with us. The other two, one of them is a is a, a friend and partner that we have. We speak to on a regular basis. We see them at least once a year in in Las Vegas and visit them quarterly in New York. And the other one is by um, Hoffer, who Nicole uh, does speak to whenever she has a particular question. She'll give him a, a you know send him an email or talk to him on the phone. Diamonds, wow. and and so. We're we're in with the with the the most foremost experts on it, and you know we have conversations with our cutters who are taking pinks and cutting them into reds, and and they're showing us the type of things that they're getting involved with. Now that's a very risky thing to do, but uh, you know that's the type of people that we're involved with on a day to day basis. So they're also constantly um, advising as well. You know we have great taste in, in colored diamonds, if I may say so, but. They're also helping us along along the way as well. It's a small business, John. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get offered product, and I get offered a you know a diamond, and it could be a three carat, you know, pear shape or whatever it is. And then I call one of my suppliers that we do business as. You know, when I say suppliers, they're a partner with us, and they say, "Yeah, I've seen that stone. You know, there was a problem. It's narrow, or it's stay this clear or that. from it." Yeah. Uh, and they know because mm-hmm. it's a small industry; it gets passed around, or they'll own. say it's great. Or they say, yeah, what was the price we offered? And great price. You know. Private, yeah. um, but you have to know what you're doing. And when you first get into this business, you know, you take your hits. You know, people always have a you know, a little shot at you and sell you something that you know you shouldn't have bought or they take a liberty on the price. Uh, you learn the hard way. And, you know, once you understand this business, I've been collecting, you know, for a long time, uh, being in the business now, uh, you know, my people won't show me something unless it meets my criteria. We only buy the best product because somewhere down the road, whether you buy that stone, you're going to hold it for five years or 10 years or 20 years. Eventually, it's going to wind back to us. We're a family business. You know, I, my son, my daughter, both in the business, my granddaughter, you know, I got pictures of her with a loop looking at, you know, diamonds with a tweezer. She wants to be in the business, and I'm happy for that. You know, Darren's son, if he wants to come into the business, it's my pleasure. I'm coming into the business. Come on. <laughs> well, Get me you hired. Know, you know, what's, what's, it's an, a really exciting uh, investment opportunity. You know, even looking at an entry-level fancy diamond, you could have got into that even last year for, for less than 10000 wow. Today, it's becoming very difficult to find a fancy that you could buy for less than twelve. And it's just like real estate where, you know, when you think about trying to get into that first home, 
And then you you get in and you almost breathe a sigh of relief, even though you paid a lot of money right. for it. You're happy you got in because the market keeps going up. And just like just like the real estate market, you want to try to keep moving up because this market doesn't move down in prices, especially on high quality diamonds such as we have. And then eventually, you know, we do see clients that buy multiple diamonds that move from the fancy up to the intense, up to the vivid. You're going to get up to a point where eventually you downsize and that's where you're going to cash in ultimately. So I think once you get in, you know, ask us about our new brochure. Um, once you get in, I think you're going to be very happy, very excited and enjoy it as well. Well, it's the funny thing about real estate is that when somebody buys their first home and they say they bought a house for $400,000 and they always say, I wish I would have bought that house for 500000 Look how much it's gone up. Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, we talk about auctions and we talk about stones that are going for $45 million and $15 million and $25 million. Not everybody's got that type of, you know, pocket cash. You can get into this market, as Jeremy said, you know, eleven, five, twelve thousand dollars as a starter. And again, congratulations to all the people that purchased diamonds this week. And the lady that actually we, we gave away a ten ounce bar of silver wow, yesterday as a draw. Yeah, and congratulations, we, Marilyn. Marilyn, yeah, you did well. Do you, uh, you know, it's funny you just mentioned before we uh, take a break here that you know it was a bit of a school hard knocks coming up, and you took some knocks. But I mean, that's what people are also paying for. They have the benefit of your due diligence and your knowledge. So why wouldn't you go there to purchase a diamond? You're not going to go on your own, and don't go to Wikipedia. I tried when I first started. <laughs> oh, hosting. really? Do do not Google colored diamonds on Wikipedia. It's a mess. But you're uh, not going to learn anything. You know, but there's a lot of companies, you know, all over the states that sell diamonds. They don't want them back. They sell them to you. But they don't Never want to. They, they don't want to take them back. We we buy the finest diamonds, hoping that somewhere down the road we can get them back. It's because they're so beautiful and they're becoming harder and harder to find. And as Jeremy said, you know, when you insure a diamond or when we have an appraised value, that's what the insurance company has to pay you because they. It's easy to say, oh, we'll replace it. Go out and try and find it. <laughs> right. You know, it's easier said than done. So we do the work for you. We expect to be paid a little bit for work. Nobody works for nothing. What is what easy to do? What easy to do is, is start investing. And that is one eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven or guildhallwealth.com. Another seven more of the Real Money Show coming up, and more of the Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven online at guildhallwealth.com. Paul, just before we get into the uh, the diamond tender, you just handed me the uh, the recent diamond magazine. That you, this thing, I've, I've three minutes. I've been reading this thing, and the education has increased tenfold. It's so easy. There's big color pictures. The information is so easily laid out. It's it's a what an investing tool this is. Yeah, it's a sixteen page brochure that uh, actually Nicole uh, put together uh, with uh, Rob in her office, and it's a really great piece of information. It tells you, uh, you know, virtually everything about how to buy a natural fancy color diamond and what to look for. It's like a diamond bible. This thing, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm but hanging on to this. It's, <laughs> it's free of charge if you you know want a copy or you would like it emailed out to you. You know, just give us a call or go, what is it, inform- information or info at Guildhall? You can do investing at Guildhall. Investing at Guildhall. Oh, yeah. Investing at guildhalldiamonds.com. Um, the thing I wanted to just kind of just touch on, uh, there was a tender, the Argyle tender, mm-hmm. uh, held in Kowloon, Hong Kong, uh, this last week. And it's a tender that uh, we attend, uh, actually we didn't attend Last year, we attended the year before. We didn't go this year because we had a lot of things going on. But our partners went and put in some bids for us. We've actually, there's 56 stones in this year's tender. Did they pick some out? We've bid on seven of them. 
And um, you should mention that, as you've in past weeks, we are talking a teaspoon full of diamonds yeah, here, right? Yeah, not only it's that, incredible. but not only that, but we saw some articles this week that said that this tender could be pushing the per carat price of pinks to a million dollars, which uh, I don't know if they were over. I, I mean that. That's extreme for even our tastes. We, we certainly <laughs> hope that's not the case. But at no. the end of the day, this is a silent, silent bids. So you, you put in your bid and you hope for the best. Well, we won't know till October the 6th or October the 5th whether we've even, you know, won any stones. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've, uh, with our partners, have, you know, bidding on seven stones. In this year's collection, there was 56 stones. There was some red. There was a couple of reds. Uh, well, one red that's extraordinary, and it's an SI one, but there was only 11 VS stones. Now, last year we won several stones at, a, at the tender. One of the tender stones is uh, number 49. is still on our website. We sold one to a client that wanted a tender stone, and the other one I've kept actually for my own family as an investment. Um, this year we're... We're, you know, the mine is closing in approximately 2018 or 2020, which means there's only going to be another five or six more tenders. There's only about 300 more stones that are going to come onto the market. Um, it's like having, you know, a great artist who dies. Right. I mean, autumn, you the know, collection's it's, it's, priceless. It's, then it becomes the prices yeah. go through the roof. We expect, and we're bidding, you know, as much as 40% over what we bid last year to win some of these stones. I really want to have a couple, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as a collector, I really want to win one for myself. I'd like to win a couple to put up on a website. You have a report, an Argyle report, Jeremy. Yeah, we do have an Argyle yeah. report, so you can definitely give us a call and uh, or uh, email us, again, investing at guildhallwealth.com, and uh, we can certainly get that report out to you. The significance of Argyle is that they do produce 90% of the world's pinks, which though it's only half of 1% of their entire production. One-tenth of 1%. One tenth of 1%. Wow. Thank you. Um, but, you know, it, it, they're not the only pinks. There are still other pinks, and they're just as rare. Uh, but uh, they do help promote pink diamonds because they are producing a lot. They've, they've, uh, they've been mining that mine since the early 80s when, when they first started in production. And it was open pit mining. Now they're going deep down. And so they keep sort of extending the closing date but ultimately the deeper down you go the smaller the diamonds the less there is and the more expensive it is to get them so there is that supply demand and element that's why the price is going up because there, it's getting so hard to find yeah. and we only sell vs quality uh, most of the diamonds that are produced out of the argyle mine uh, in pinks are si1 SI2 and I1, that means they have inclusions that you can actually see with the naked eye. You're not touching And them. even on the color, they're a little kind of weaker. They're, you know, they're, they're fancy pinks. Uh, we tend to go for intense. Um, we normally try to get VS1, VS2. If you go to our website right now, you're going to see five or six beautiful Argyle pinks in VS quality. We also have a 105 fancy, intense VS2 in a pink. It's a pear shape. It's an unbelievable, beautiful, beautiful diamond. But you're looking, you know, at a stone like that over three hundred thousand uh, dollars, because once you get over a carat, you're talking a different ball game. It's completely different, and the pricing, the structure. Most of the stones that come out of the Argyle are less than a half a carat. We have, you know, on our website right now, four stones over a half a carat, which are extremely rare. You know, three of them are from the Argyle right now. 
but but ultimately uh, again we're going to know uh by early october what hopefully we'll we'll be able to to have gotten some from this year's tender but there's no doubt that once the the prices come out once everyone knows what they received we're going to have a very clear picture of what the pricing is and it's pretty much guaranteed at this point that prices will be higher so if we have a diamond that that's looking for appraisal within the next do up for an appraisal within the next month or two you can you can pretty much guarantee the price is going to be higher so if you've been looking at uh, argyles if you've been thinking about getting into this market and we have a argyle pink right now for 22,000 you really want to get in before that price hap- before that price increase occurs so definitely this is a good time to be looking at it one eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven and guildhallwealth.com online to start investing. Let's uh, recap here, uh, Jeremy, gold and silver and bullion, where it stands. Yeah, so again, um, gold last week, thir- uh, $1,315. This week, we're trading around 1330 down as, as we've been taping the show, but we were as high as 1365 So we are looking to get back up above that resistance level. I feel that once we break that $1,400 level, you're going to see some good momentum happening. I think you'll see a lot of growing sentiment at that point. So really, you want to be in on this market using your logic at this point, not your, uh, you know, not going with your emotions. You want to take advantage of the value. Silver also uh, last week around 22, same thing this week. So we've basically been sideways, even though after the taper talk, we did jump up over $1.50. So it does show you the type of movements that can be had. So we did see a glimpse of it this week. Again, we're up over 20, 20% since the bottom of this market set in June. So again, this market can be very explosive when it's when it's time. So if you're looking to purchase for a first time, you want to be in before the explosions happen. You want to just start to stack your, your bullion. It is real money, as we like to call the real money show. Taper Talk, clearly, they, uh, you know, we, we got confirmation that, that this Fed loves to jawbone to death that they are going to talk down as much as they possibly can. But at the end of the day, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They will keep printing this money. They're at $85 billion a month. Who knows how much longer they can keep doing it, how much more they can keep printing. But it's it, they, they've definitely set the tone here that I don't know how much longer every time that they can come out this is my opinion, but I don't know how much longer they can keep coming out and keep jawboning before people say, you know what? I'm done having a memory like a goldfish and watching these headlines. I don't believe it, and I want to see alternatives. So we had the seminar yesterday. People are clearly looking for alternatives. Gold and silver definitely provide that. When you look at the sentiment, every time we see pullbacks, Asian buyers come out, Indian buyers are coming out even though they're struggling, but the mint sales show it. Perth Mint, Canadian Mint, U.S. Mint, uh, Sprott came out, mentioned that they're buying 50 times as much silver as gold. There is a limit to how much you can keep putting pressure on the downside when supply is just not there to, to bring it forward. So look for explosive prices eventually in this market. It's time to, to get in if, you, if you've not done so or start your research, give us a call, get some information, you make the decision. Yeah, it's important, you know, to give us a call, come out, meet us, you know, sit down, have, make an appointment. We'll run through everything with you. We'll hold your hand through the whole process. You know, we're not challenging anybody's pocket. Whether you want to take the product at home, you know, bury it in the back garden, put it under the pillow, do whatever you want to do with it, or put it in a safe, secure, insured depository. You know, we're insured with Lloyds of London. Um, 
great way to purchase. You know, you buy 100-ounce bars or 10-ounce bars of silver or even one-ounce maple leaves if you want to go that route. Gold, you can buy maple leaves, one-ounce bars of gold, 10-ounce bars of gold, kilos bars of gold, and even 400-ounce bars of gold if you're in that type of market. Um, it's a great way to own gold and silver because you can buy and sell on a phone call. You know, when the market takes off and you want to take some money off the top, you don't want to be going around lugging gold and silver with you. Uh, a, it's an insurance risk. Uh, B, you, you know, it, silver's heavy. You know, 1,000 ounces of silver is 70 pounds. 10,000 ounces, 700-odd pound. You know, you're going to need a wheelbarrow to get backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. And then you can take it back to someone, and they may not take it because they say, I want to get it assayed because you could have lead. You know, when you deal with us, you put it in the depository. It's safe. It's secure. It's the way to go. You can buy and sell on the telephone call. The next thing, if you want to go into collateralized financing, you can finance up to 70% of the position. 1,000 ounces of silver today, $24, give or take, with commission. For you to double your money, silver's got to go to $48. Using collateralized financing, you're putting up $8,000, $9,000. Silver moves up. Eight nine dollars, you've doubled your money. You've still kept back, you know, that sixteen thousand dollars. You've only put up eight nine thousand dollars. It's not for everybody. It's thirty percent equity financing seventy. If you want to put up forty, finance sixty. You want to do fifty fifty. We can take the risk away for you. But you've got to make that first step. You need to make the phone call. I sound like one of those people <laughs> preaching, don't I? I'm so excited. Well, I am excited. I love this business. I love gold. I love silver. I love diamonds. It's a great buying opportunity right now. If you're looking for retirement, you're looking to put your kids through school, this is the time to put some money into these markets. One eight seven seven two one four seventeen eleven and guildhallwealth.com. Your final moments, Jeremy. Yeah, I just I want to make a quick point about sentiment in this market. Sentiment in North America is decimated when it comes to precious metals. I understand that. We have clients that are frustrated too that they've purchased within the last couple of years. They say, well, when's it going to take off? When's it going to take off? Because they look at the fundamentals and they know it just makes sense. And it's a bit of the emperor has no clothes. They just know that the emperor has no clothes, but how come no one's noticing yet? And and it, we're waiting for that Rudy moment, for that one person to step forward, those buyers to step forward where everyone decides, okay, I'm willing to step forward too. Yet you've got to look over across the Pacific and see that China is buying like crazy. They no longer want treasuries from the U.S. They are selling those. They are not net buyers. They are net sellers. The only central people buying banks, treasuries is the Fed. Central hmm. banks are net buyers of gold. They're tr- trying to hedge. You should be hedging too. They're hedging because they're looking for ways to preserve their wealth. And so there's a mentality in the East that we need to see more of in the West. So instead of using your emotions and waiting to see that the market moves much higher, you need to use some logic, look at the fundamentals, and I think you'll see that it's a great value right now. If you haven't got on board and uh, making this part of your portfolio, whether it be precious metals, gold and silver, fancy colored diamonds, you should get on it post-haste. That's the advice. one 214 online at guildhallwealth.com. While you're there, take advantage and get the Precious Metals Advisor free subscription to Guildhall's premier market newsletter. Another phenomenal show, fellas. We'll do it all again next week. This is The Real Money Show.